Welcome to the Wake and Rake Podcast, featuring World Series champion Will Middlebrooks and MLB journalist Danny Vietti. Now, here's Danny and Will. Buddy, Oh, what's good, baby? It's the Wake and Rake Podcast. Will Middlebrooks, Danny Vietti, as always. And I know what you're wondering. Why the hell is Danny looking like Fernando Tatis Jr.'s twin? I know that's what you were thinking of, Will. Did you did you pay for those? No, they were actually given to me. This might be the greatest gift I've ever received. So, 100% eyewear. They have a cool. I'm reading their print here, as you can see. They have a collaboration with the face of baseball, Fernando Tatis Jr. These are his exclusive sunglasses. You can get them for two hundred and ten dollars. That's it. A little bit of pocket change. Two hundred and ten dollars. Two ten. Two ten. What are they? X-ray. You look like a character off a of Halo. I look like I'm snowboarding. Stop, <laughs> bro. For the people listening on the podcast, we'll put it on our social media pages so you can see these sick eyewear. But they're massive. I feel like I feel like they'd be really comfortable. But like, I feel like you can't really get a hat on. No, it's dominating my face right now, and I have a pretty good-looking face, and I don't want that. I'd keep them on if I were you. All right, what do we got today, Dan? It's been a lot of weeks since we fired one out. We've been yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a uh, an interesting pod because the Chicago Cubs just came out today. They didn't publicly say this, but Ken Rosenthal reported that the Cubs are now in sell mode. Which is interesting. Not surprising. Uh, not surprising, especially when you consider they traded you Darvish before the season. So we're going to talk about Chris Bryant. We weren't sure if he was going to be on the market. Everybody's thinking Trevor's story is going to be the biggest, you know, domino to fall essentially or, or trade piece. And now all of a sudden you're thinking Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, maybe Wilson Contreras. Are they going to be available? That's the ultimate question. Only time will tell. But we're going to talk about Chris Bryant and the top landing spots for Chris Bryant. Who's going to be suitors for Chris Bryant? And I know you have a handful of teams. I know I have a handful of teams. We'll pick out who's going to be the best destination. And then, of course, the All-Star game is coming up here. The first half is over, my friend. First half of the 2021 season is already over. So we're going to be talking about our biggest surprises, biggest disappointments. And then we'll hand out our first half MVPs. For the first half does that sound good brother yeah maybe throw in some disappointments because it's always fun to be negative um maybe some pleasant surprises as well yeah you know what yeah i think that's a great idea that's a good plan all right let's start it up let's get right into it chris bryant's what you... tough as i mentioned the cubs they got off to a really shaky start to start the season and then all of a sudden they got hot and then now they've lost 17 of their last 23. Let me just take off these uh, Tati sunglasses here so I can see our beautiful faces here. But one last shout out to 100% eyewear. Uh, Chris Bryant. So they've lost 17 of their last 23. Now they're in sell mode, according to Ken Rosenthal and others. What are you doing if you're the Cubs? You're trying to trade Chris Bryant because he's going to be so, a free agent after this year. Well, I'll get into Chris Bryant in one sec. I'm going to just talk about the team first. Um I think this losing streak had a lot to do with these guys getting close to getting into July, feeling the pressure of we have to take over this division or we're not going to get to play together anymore. 
Like, this is that core group of the 2016 World Series curse breaker team. And let us not forget this is beyond the players because their manager was also on that team. He's very close with Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Contreras. Like, these are his boys, all right? It's a weird situation where you're playing for one of your boys, right? Which can be a really good thing, too. But in this case, um, I think that core group, their time is just – it's done together. It's just – it's over. It is. Um, I think Kimbrel is a really important piece. There's a lot of teams, even though it's going to be a rental. Um, everybody wants a back end of the bullpen arm in September and October. So he'll be a big piece. Contreras will be a big piece because Cannon for an arm – frames the ball well he can hit he can get really streaky and carry you for a month um and he's not a free agent until 2023 so um that's what different makes him a little different he's younger too i think they i don't think they trade rizzo i think they keep rizzo he is limited defensively he can only play first or put him in a dh if you were to send him which i still think he's a good first baseman he's still pretty serviceable over there um he's just not a great hitter anymore he's a good hitter so I don't think they're going to get a ton in return considering he would be a rental. So I think he ends up getting a qualifying offer in the offseason. Uh, Baez, I could see them moving. He leads the team in war. He, We know Javi Baez is a very exciting player. He also leads the league in strikeouts. But As he, his, his he hits homers, he steals bags. He plays phenomenal defense at third, short, and second base, which that versatility makes him um makes his value go even higher and now chris bryant versatility that's the main word here uh we've seen some shades of mvp chris bryant uh just not consistently but he can play first base he can play third base he can play left field he can play center field he can play right field he can be a dh um he can be a big bat in big situations for a tender and for a playoff team where will he go jeez Mets, I can see the Mets. Uh, they need offense, obviously. You're J.D. Rolling. Davis was playing really well, uh, and then he got hurt. So I think Chris Bryant will play third base until J.D. Davis comes back and then move Bryant to the outfield. Can I stop you in your tracks here before you continue? I seem uh, to sure. remember I seem to remember a certain somebody on this show might even just be my co-host on this wake and rake podcast that predicted this is their bold prediction this year that the cubs would sell it all and here we are i mean this isn't a surprise man your, your gm steps down you get rid of your ace the writing was on the wall yes um and these guys are going to be free agents you're not going to resign them anyway so why not get a prospect for them or so- something instead of losing them to free agency, which they probably could re-sign them, but I don't think they're in love with them anymore. It's kind of like we're friends. We still lo- we still love each other, but um, we're not in love, so we're going to get divorced. When you were traded, how hard was it emotionally? It was tough, but the 2014 team was a lot different than 2013. Like guys have already – some of them guys had already split and gone different ways anyways. Um, <clears throat> and I was hurt most of 14. I was ready for – a change honestly uh so i welcomed it i didn't want to leave boston but it was just they signed uh pablo sandoval and i was like all right well see you guys <laughs> nice knowing you thanks for drafting me and get me to the big leagues 
but we're going to San Diego. So, like on one um, end of the spectrum, it's you have one team that doesn't want you, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have one team that does want you. So it's it's tough to battle those emotions. I think it's fun, there. man. Especially the baseball fraternity is the baseball world is small. You know someone, you're close with someone on every team. So it's exciting. You get to wear a new uniform. You get to get new color cleats. You get to get six sunglasses in a different color. You, It's fun, especially if you've been in the same place for seven, eight years. You know, I was a Boston Red Sox for seven years in that organization, not in the big leagues. I'd only been in the big leagues for three years. But um, I wasn't excited to leave Boston, but I was excited for opportunity to further my career. That makes sense. That yeah, makes sense. Where do you think Chris Bryant goes? He's at the Mets. Obviously, the Mets are going to be involved. They have been rumored to be involved for the past year. There were rumors that he was going to get traded to New York before the season even started. There was even a rumor that somebody, one of Chris Bryant's friends, or somebody sent him a text that said he had been traded, when right. in fact he had not been traded. So there's already some connection there between New York and the New York Mets this season, they had the least amount of production from their third baseman this year in Major League Baseball. They have a total of 19 RBIs from their third baseman this year. That's last in Major League Baseball. So Chris Bryant could certainly help in that regard. But I'm kicking it over to the West Coast just because I always have West Coast bias. I'm looking at San Francisco. Hmm. They're at the top of the division. They're sliding a little bit. They're, they're kind of limping into the all-star break here. They have some injuries. And I know they have Evan Longoria, but you mentioned his versatility, and I'm referring to Chris Bryant. He can play yeah. the outfield. You can plug and play. Okay. I'm I'm going to raise you a West Coast here. I'm going to go a little further south. Well, not south. Across the bay. Say, you're not going to say San Diego. No, I, I actually south wasn't what I meant as across the bay. I, I'm going to go Oakland. Oakland? Really? Okay, hear me out. They could use some corner outfield-like help to get – it would be an it would be a plus if you added Chris Bryant's bat. He can also DH for them. And here's the kicker. They they like that he's a rental because they don't have to financially commit to him because they don't want to pay anyone out there. That's right. So they can use him right now and then get rid of him. Or just not resign him. And then there's no financial commitment. And right now he's on a one-year, nineteen million dollar deal via arbitration. So if you're thinking about how much would Oakland have to pay, because Oakland's cheap as shit as they always are, Oakland would probably have to pay. I'm guessing seven to ten mil. Not, yeah, uh, not closer to seven. And and they could certainly afford seven. I'm sure they could find some pennies and on the streets in the Bay Area and, and find that chunk of change to afford a guy like Chris Bryant. Yeah, they could. And they they could use it, man. I mean, he's not going to play third base if Chapman's alive. So, um, you can also use Marcus Simeon, but who's counting? I mean, they're doing okay. I mean, Houston's good, but what about the Brewers? See, that's the thing. I wanted to preempt this entire conversation with about Chris Bryant with the Brewers. But because he's in, I don't think they within care. Division. I don't think they care because they know it's only for this year and they're only selling because they know they're not going to the playoffs. But if he signs a long-term deal with Milwaukee, he won't. I'll be it very unlikely because they have so much money going to Christian Yelich over the next few years. I don't think right. they can afford it. So I'm not saying it's out of this world, not going to happen. I just don't know if they want to trade within the division. 
that's so that's another team that needs offense. They have good pitching. They have oh, yeah. good bullpen. They just need offense. Their offense hasn't clicked all year. They get big hits. They win games. They get big hits. Like they have comebacks, like all that. But they're, I mean, offensively, they're not, they're not that good. No, Kesson here has been abysmal all year. Um, they've tried trading for Rowdy Telez to try and get some production out of their first baseman. Their corner infield has been bad. Well, they it's had injuries. And they've had injuries. Travis Shaw, yeah. But as a collective unit, unit, they have one of the worst batting averages, not if not the worst batting average in baseball. It's yet. like, it's like bottom three, I think. Defensively, it's like, they're fantastic. Between JBJ, fantastic. Colton Wong, Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas has been arguably the best shortstop in the Bro. league. Since he went over there, yeah. Yeah, incredible. He's batting over 280. He's got seven or eight home runs. I mean, he's killing it for him, and they didn't give up much for him at all. All right. You know, this won't happen. This is, like, the probably the most, like, least likely place for him to go. You know who you'd use him would be the Yankees. They're done, bro. They're done. I said least likely. Least likely. Um, They're done. But, Jesus, they need help, bro. We'll talk about the Yankees in a minute. They need pitching help. Um, staying on the West Coast, I just have a quick question. Um, do you think the Do- Dodgers got to go out and get a pitcher, right? So they started the season with <clears throat> an overabundance of rotational depth, right? They had like seven starters. Right. Kershaw just went down with elbow. May has TJ. Bauer and his off-the-field issues. Now you're down to like David Price, a reduced version of Tony Gonsolin because he's coming off injury. Bueller, Urias. Like. It's funny. I'm glad you brought this up because coming into the season, who were the two teams? I'm going to put you on the spot. Who were the two teams coming into the season where people were saying best rotation in baseball? The Dodgers were one. The Mets. The Mets also, but the Padres as well with the acquisitions they made between you, Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove. Mm. Now – the Padres are dealing with injuries to their rotation. Did Nelson Lamette on the IL? Chris Paddock is not. He's just kind of being Chris Paddock. And then Blake Snell has been atrocious on the road. So the two teams, not including the Mets, two teams that were expected to have probably the be- best rotation in baseball, Dodgers, Padres, could be looking at the trade market to add starting pitching, which is kind yeah. of surprising. But they can they they have the talent. They can do it. Chris Bryant in San Diego, is there any chance of that happening? I'm trying to think of, like, who the Dodgers could have. Like, maybe Cal Gibson of the Rangers. Yeah. He's had a really good year. He's, like, 6-1 so, and one with a 2. John Gray is another piece that could be on the market. Yeah, John Gray. Um, if Washington was further out, I'd say Scherzer. Could you imagine? Because they're like, we don't care about luxury tax. It's crazy. The amount of money in between, if you look at how much money spent each team, like your top teams are like the Dodgers, Yankees, Astros. They're all up there in total spent. But the 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 space in between number two and number one, number one being the Dodgers, is like $40 million. The Dodgers have spent like $40 million more than any other team in baseball. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. You know, and like I said, we'll talk about the Yankees in a minute. But I was just talk- thinking about luxury tax, and the Yankees have made it very clear they don't want to go over. Um but let's say they trade Chapman and Britain, so they shed two fifteen million a year bullpen arms. Now they have room for for Trevor Story. If they are building for the future, like 
sign him than try to extend him. I think it's within their best interest to give up this season. I think you're not going anywhere with this starting this starting rotation. Well, they can they can they only have so much they can give up, man. Let's just talk about the Yankees right now. Like, let's talk about them. It's been your have they been your most disappointing team this season? They're 100 my most disappointing team, just because of the talent level there. Number one, um, God, where do I even start? Do you? Everyone wants to blame Aaron Boone. Manager always takes the fall, but listen, it ain't Aaron Boone. He's not out there swinging at bad pitches and making bad pitches, booting balls, missing cutoff, man. That ain't, that ain't him. If there's anyone to point at besides the players, it is Brian Cashman. He constructed a roster full of right-handed hitters in a stadium that is built to – it's tailored to lefties. We don't talk about that enough. Think about the lefties he's rolling out there. Rugnet Odor, who – have you seen Space Jam? Have I seen Space Jam? Of course. Figured I'd ask. It's like, you know, when they put their hand on the ball and like sucks all the, sh- like, I feel like that happened to Rugi. <laughs> and I played with Rugi. If he hears this, he's going to yell at me, but he's just, he's lost it, man. And I hate that because I love him as a player. I love his intensity. I love what he brings to a team and a clubhouse. Um, but he's just not the same guy. And then you're running Brett Gardner out there, who's hitting 189 on a daily basis who and he's hitting in like the leadoff like what are we doing he doesn't have any power he's not producing their offense is 17th in batting average 25th in RBIs per game like the New York Yankees so I saw I was thinking well maybe they should call up guys like what's going on let me look in AAA uh there's a guy named Trey Amber Amber Gay or something like that he's like an outfielder He's hitting, I don't know, 320 with some homers. You're telling me you, you don't want him, but you want Brett Gardner? Is it about money? Because you're the New York Yankees. You can eat the $8 million or whatever that you gave Gardner if you really want to win. Do you want to win? And then you're running Glaber Torres out there, who isn't producing at all. I think he has 12 RBIs um, and not good defensively. And you have a Korean kid who's been in your system for six years I'm going to screw this name up. It's like Ken June Park, uh, who's hitting like 330 with 10 plus homers in AAA right now. What are we doing? Are, are, are you trying to win or not? No. You, you have, you built a lineup, like I said, that it, it's reliant on the home run, the three run homer. It's just not conducive to winning baseball. Let, let me play devil's advocate here for a second because I, I completely agree with you. The group most to blame is the players. Booney's, like you said, Booney's not the guy booting balls out there in the field. And Cashman isn't either, Brian Cashman. Can you explain why Aaron Boone would be sitting Luke Voigt game one against the Astros before an all-star break coming up in three days? Let me Let me explain this. There's a lot of things that don't get reported injury-wise because you don't want to deal with it uh, with the media. So if he has something barking, sometimes you just avoid talking about it. Sometimes that's the player, what the player wants. Sometimes the team doesn't care and they say it anyways, but if the player wants it quiet or wants to play through it or deal with it, sometimes they just keep it quiet. So there's 
I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm saying in a lot of cases it's because they're dealing with something and they just don't want it to be public. It's just confusing when you say our season's on the line. All-star right. breaks coming up in three days, and you're sitting Luke Voigt, who has been hot over the last few days since coming back from injury. So it's a little confusing. I'm sure Yankees fans can be a little frustrating when Aaron Boone says, we're going to give Luke Voigt a day off. It's like, yeah. Oh. No, I, I, I understand that. Um, there's something else there, or we just don't know. And there's a reason they don't want us to know. Who's been your biggest positive surprise this year? Giants. I was going to talk about the Red Sox, but I never talk about the Giants, and it's time. They, they, I thought they just had a hot month to start the year, and then mid-May they get swept by the Dodgers, and I thought that was it. Like, all right, here comes the downfall. And then they rattled off like 20 of 25, right? <laughs> um, this was supposed to be the has-beens and never-will-bees. That's what this team was. Posey, Crawford, Belt, Longoria, the end of their careers, right? Just get us through, be good leaders, help us – groom these young guys, but they're playing really well. Posey and uh, Crawford have been, like, really, really good years. Longoria's been hurt, but he's still hitting 280. Crawford's the oldest starting shortstop in baseball, yet he's been the – got, like, 17 homers. Second or third most productive shortstop in the league behind Tatis, maybe Javi Baez. And he's the oldest starting shortstop, so. And then they're pitching, man. These are guys that were DFA. These are guys that they signed on one year deal hoping to strike gold. And they did. And uh and they did. Gosman, eight and three, one seven ERA. Wood, eight and three, three six. Discofani, nine and three, two point eight. Bullpen third in ERA across the league. Name one guy in their bullpen. The average fan. Name one guy in their bullpen. Brian Wilson? I don't know. Like <laughs> Sergio Romo? Like, I don't know. Jake McGee, that, come on. I'm saying a fan of baseball that you don't know because number one, their games are on at 10 PM, you know? Um, but dude, it's July 10th and they're like 22 games up. I mean, they're 22 games over 500. They're up on the daughters. Like this is nuts that they're still here. I don't think they win the division though. I do think they go to the playoffs. I think this is a three teams from that division go to the playoffs. I'm with you. I, I, I think their I think their ceiling is just limited, honestly. So when you compare the the big three, people are calling them the big three now in the NOS, Dodgers, Padres, Giants. If you were to rank the players one through to, you know, from best to worst, I think your top five, six players are gonna be from San Diego and LA. You're gonna be talking about Tatis, Machado, you Darvish, and you kick it over to LA, Cody Bellinger, okay. Max Muncie. So we're going, we're at player number five, six, seven, eight, before we even get to San Francisco. And then maybe we can talk about Kevin Gosman. Maybe we can talk about oh, Buster Posey. Yeah. But we're at player number seven, eight, and we're not even talking about San Francisco. So that's why I believe – Can we kind of say, in not financially, but the way their team is constructed, kind of the West Coast Rays? Yeah. A uh, little bit? Well, like the, the A's are the West Coast Rays, but yes. Right. I meant with yeah yeah you're right you're right I'm with you. The way they just kind of pieced it together and you're going there's no way these guys are going to be good and it's a perfect recipe. In San Francisco they're not meant to win this year. Let's keep that in mind. They oh. have all this money coming off the books after this year. They depending on what they do with player options with Posey, you know, Crawford, Cueto, they could have a hundred million dollars coming off the books after this year. And you're going to have guys like guys we just talked about Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Anthony Rizzo. Oh. Freddie Freeman, Trevor Story, 
Those are all free agent big-time hitters. Now, are you able to recruit a big-time hitter to Oracle Park? Well, they're leading the National League in homers. They have been much of the season. Isn't that weird? Very strange. Especially with, uh, like, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. Well, Milwaukee's offense stinks, but these are places where the ball flies. Mm-hmm. Even even the Cubs, like, the wind blows out there more than it doesn't. And we saw the other day, like, Reese Hoskins hitting it off the scoreboard and left center. Like, that's a bomb. But when the wind blows out there, if you hit it in the air, that was a day that it was, like, 15 to 6, the final score. Like, seven homers. Ball flies. So, the fact your, that uh, – What was your favorite part to hit in? As a as a road player, oh man! I know you talked about Seattle was a good park to hit in. I think you've mentioned that. Like before. Seattle because the batter's eye, you saw right. the ball really well. I've heard that a lot actually from different players. The batter's eye is a it's not just a normal like black or brick or whatever. It's like a matte black, so there's no shine on it. So it helps with the shadows a little bit because there's not it's not really bright back there. So you preferred to play on the East Coast as opposed to the West Coast because of the shadows. Is that correct? Um, because the shadows, the shadows are more, aren't, play more of a factor on the West Coast for the most part. That's only if you start early. Okay. Because if it's 10 p.m. on the East Coast, I mean it's still a 7 p.m. game, so the sun's really not that big of an issue. So, um, man, that's a tough question. I love Dodger Stadium. I thought the ball flew there. I saw the ball well. Um, I loved Anaheim, so that's two West Coast. I hated Oakland. Everybody hates Oakland. Um. Got me thinking. While while you while you chew on that, I went to Oakland to watch the Red Sox and A's just last week. Can we please get some new bathrooms in ODOT Co Coliseum? I don't care if you're moving. I'm tired of urinating in a horse trough in Oakland. Can we please get some regular urination system? We're gonna burn that place to the ground pretty soon. Please. I mean, yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm urinating in a horse trough, and we're in 2021. You want to? Yes. golden toilet like yes i do all right queen chill it's <laughs> like you're you're pissing in it it's not like you're drinking out of it you're yeah pissing. but i'm i'm pissing next to 10 other people who are bumping into me because i'm we're all pe- we're all peeing into the same stream here you're six six bud you win that battle it doesn't mean we don't get stage fright have another beer <laughs> Have another twelve dollar beer. <laughs> fourteen. There are fourteen dollar beers. Ridiculous. For like a Miller Lite, is an eight oh five. Eight oh five out of San Luis Obispo, Central California coast. If you've never tried an eight oh five, very delicious. I have not actually. I'll send you some. I'm sure you will. All right. What's next? What do you got? You never even gave me your favorite park. I gave you time to chew on it. I gave you several. Um, I need your number one favorite. Number one. Toronto. Oh, that's because you raked in Toronto. Because I saw the ball really well. You asked me where I like to hit. <laughs> you raked in Toronto. You you want Toronto and Mark Burley on the mound like every day of the week. Uh, I mean, I don't really I never took Burley beat. Was it it was R.A. Dickey? That was a three homer game, yeah. yeah. But I felt like I never left Toronto without a homer. Uh, just I saw the ball well. I felt like it flew there. I like playing on the turf. I thought it was fun. It's different. Um, yeah, I don't know. And the clubby there. So the the nothing special about the locker room, but in the back there's like a little chill area, couches, a big like 
projector screen. You can go back there and watch movies and stuff by the food room. And the guy that works in the food room, can't remember his name. They, uh, so they run the system back there where you can buy like a, you could buy an iPad or like an iPad or whatever. And they would just download all these shows on them for you for like a hundred bucks or you buy the iPad, whatever it costs, or you can bring in your own iPad for like a hundred bucks. They would give you like all the new shows and everything. It was music, whatever you wanted. Um, but right next to that was a food room. And this guy made the best bacon cheeseburgers, bro. Mm. It's probably like not even good quality stuff, but whatever he did, whatever griddle he was using or whatever, it was so good. I could never, I would eat two a day. And have you ever, have you been to Canada? No. So the ketchup there is different. It's like a little bit sweeter. It's weird. It, I didn't necessarily love it. The Heinz? Yeah, like our normal ketchup, the Heinz. Yeah, and it would it was like it was just made differently in Canada. There was like a little more sugar in it, I guess. Uh, it was sweeter, and I just remember like that combo on like put that little sweet ketchup with some uh, mustard on the bacon cheeseburger. I was dragging ass into the game, bro. But I hit well there. But I was like, I had a bad boiler to like the sixth. But saw the ball well. I'm still wanting for murder in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. How well did you eat during the season? How difficult was it to eat healthy during a season? Well, when I was younger too, you could just I was so active. You know, you're playing baseball every day, you're practicing, you're taking ground balls, you're hitting a million balls a day, you're running, you're lifting. So you can literally eat whatever you want. You weren't on now that if I was exactly. if I was still playing now, I would have to do it different just because your body's different. But um I mean, I, I, I made sure I got what I needed for my body as far as, you know, nutrients, but I wasn't worried about crushing a whole pizza, you know? Now, if I did that, I'd my ass would shake for a week. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the health nut on your squad? Uh, Ellsbury. Not Ortiz, obviously. He actually was not big sloppy, bro. He actually, like... I mean, he was older. He had to. Did you, um, play, you play with Manny? Uh, only spring training. I, he was gone before I got to the big leagues. Okay. Yeah. Um, I imagine Daniel, him. Daniel Nava. He was the health nut. Yeah, he was super healthy. We said so he, Gabe was, Kapler. he was shredded, bro. He was built like a Greek god. You said Gabe Kapler was the health nut when you were in Philly. He's the first guy I've ever seen with 10 abs. Jeez. Just... I would get to the, I mean, I was an early guy. I would get the spring training at like six, sometimes earlier. He's already like mid full on CrossFit headband on no shirt. He's got more veins in his arms and I had grains in my ash bats. <laughs> it was crazy, dude. He was yoked and he was always smiling and happy. And he's like talking to you and he's just like power cleaning like three fifty. You're like, what the, f how are you doing this? Yeah, he's a beast, man. But he he was all into like keto and intermittent fasting and uh, all that stuff. So he'd be doing these full blown workouts with nothing but like black coffee in his system. We have the All Star break coming up, um, home run derby coming up, and I think we both on an earlier pod here said Shohei is gonna win the derby. He's coming in as a betting favorite. You, you're taking Shohei, right? I'm not just making nope. that shit up. What? Nope. You, we just talked about it in an earlier pod. We both agreed that Joey was Yeah, and that was before my man Joey Gallo was on the list. It was before Gallo was on. And you actually mentioned that if Gallo entered, you might change. I did. He has the most power I've ever seen in person. It literally sounds like if you take two, like, 
two by fours and get them as close as you can to your ear and just go, wah. That's what it sounds like when he hits baseball. Is or you fire ball? a shotgun in your ear. He's seeing the ball right. really well right now, too. Yeah, dude. He will top spin ball. He will top spin balls out. The issue is the structure here uh, because of the elevation. There will be a lot of 500 plus foot homers, but they're going to get really tired really fast. That elevation is tough to adapt to in one day. Yeah. They're going to fly in the night before. They're going to do their home run derby the next day. They're going to be gasping for air halfway through three-minute round. It's tough. So, And they have to be careful, too, not to get hurt because that elevation dehydrates you mm-hmm. a lot. And that's why you see, like, too low. Like, when he was there, he was hurt all the time because that elevation dries you out. I spent a season in Colorado Springs, which was AAA for the Brewers, 2000, I don't know, 16? And um, that's actually a thousand feet higher than Denver, bro. It was so tough. I mean, the ball flies. They have to make the field massive up there, and they use humidors for the balls. But um, speaking of humidors, I just got one. It's like right there. Wait, you have one? Yeah, I have hum- Yeah, but not for baseball. It's for cigars, dickhead. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You act like that was a dumb question. Yeah, I keep my golf balls in there because I hit them too far got that um anyways yeah i just got a new humidor for my uh my neighbor alan he's an ankle specialist he moved in and i'm like oh what do you do man he's like oh i'm, I'm an ankle surgeon i was like do i have a story for you but <laughs> he's like oh yeah everybody's spraying their ankle i'm like nah nah you see that way you see that over there that's where my toes are pointed <laughs> don't make me sad on this pod here yeah whatever it is part of my life part of my story now we're here well, Shohei and, Shohei and Gallo are both the betting favorites heading into the home run derby. Okay, as we wrap up here and uh, close up shop, who is your first half MVP for the American League for the National League? Ooh, I mean, American League is Shohei. Easy. Easy. National League, I'm not even going to talk about Shohei. We blow him enough on here. Um. <laughs> Shout out to Vladdy G, by the way, who could still win the Triple Crown but not win the MVP. But- Can you imagine – the only thing he's trailing in right now is homers, and he's trailing. I was playing when Miguel Cabrera. I played against Mickey when he won the Triple Crown, but he won the MVP. Right. And <clears throat> um, I'm gonna go Castellanos. He's also my like biggest pleasant surprise player as well. But I'm gonna go Castellanos. He had 225 last year. With he still had power. He still had 14 homers in 60 60 games last year. Played every game. But he hit 225, and now he's hitting 334 with 17 and 54. He's an MVP candidate on a team that still honestly has a postseason chance. Absolutely. Right? I like uh, I like where the Reds are at right now. I'm just looking at these numbers. Uh, 220 his, or In 2020, his K rate was almost 29%. This year, it's 21%. So he cut it almost, almost 8%. Um, I think the most impressive thing for me – for Cassianos is he's having this massive year without a huge influx in power. His power is like his ISO and all that's like actually down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, he's doing this without an influx in power, which tells me he's adapting, right? So the rest of the league is still trying to launch and hit homers. And he's saying, I'm going to take my singles. I'm going to hit away from the shift when they shift me. I'm going to hit with two strikes. I'm going to shorten up a little bit and take my knocks. Uh, 
Um, and taking getting those hits, that's where the average has jumped. I mean, he's a career 275 hitter. He's not a bad hitter, but he's hitting – he's been hitting above 330 all year. Right. He was hitting 360 for a month and a half. Um, so he's, he's a more complete hitter now, right? Like all these hitters are living and dying by the home run, and he's like, I'm going to change. I'm going to cycle back to contact first. Plus, he plays in a ballpark that the ball absolutely flies, so he doesn't have to go out there and swing 100%. He can control the barrel, control the zone, stay on pitches because he's not trying to yank them to left, and it's made him a better hitter. And I, I love seeing guys adapt and change um, and go against the grain of what the league's doing right now. I want to agree with you because I'm a big-time Nick Castellanos fan, and I think it's not only what he's done on the field, but what he's done kind of off the field too. Like his antics this year have been – Like combating Manfred. Yeah. I, I loved every bit of it. But I will say let's give some respect to Fernando Tatis Jr. He's leading the National League in OPS. He can become – he could become the first player since like 1920, 1915. He would only be the second player ever. Can I guess what you're going to say? Go ahead. Steal my thunder. Go ahead, just like you always do. No, never mind. Is it homers and stolen bases? Are we on the same? Oh, side? that's not what I was going to say. I was going to oh, say lead the league in errors and win an MVP. <laughs> well, that, that too. Yeah, he could lead the league. But he could become the first player, excuse me, the second player ever to lead the National League in stolen bases and home runs in the same season. First ever? Second ever. Second ever. First, was time, it since, first time since like 1920. Oh, okay. So first time ever. Ricky Henderson had to come close. Yeah, he had to have come close. I don't have. I don't know. This. He had pop. Like he hit homers. You yeah, know? he absolutely did. By the way, while we're talking about nationally shortstops, Trey Turner is not getting any attention. Bro, Trey Turner's most underrated three, player in the league right now. Him and Xander. He's been three twenty one with seventeen homers, nineteen swipes to go along with it. You know that's what sucks is we. I was thinking, who's my most surprising player? Who's my MVP? And that he never crossed my mind. He's not surprising anymore. He's just underrated. I mean, what he's doing right now isn't his normal year. He's going ham right now. He's been good for a long time now. Oh, he's he never, has. He's never been an all-star game. He steals bags, too. And he's a good defensive player. Yeah. He's underrated. He's very underrated. Even when I would think, like, who are the most underrated players, I don't even think about him. I don't know why I don't think about him. I think about Xander Bogart as under, underrated. He's not but, flashy. Yeah, he's really exciting. I mean, anybody that's fast is exciting and is – aesthetically pleasing to the eye. Trey Turner is aesthetically pleasing to the eye. He just he's the player that, like, he has the pop, obviously, has 17 bombs, but he can say, okay, it's okay to walk or take my single because I'm going to steal second, maybe third. Or I'm going to score from first on a double. I'm going to score on a single from second. So that is exciting. I mean, and that's mo- that's like m- getting, like, motion in baseball. Like, that's what we need for more exciting baseball is motion, less strikeouts, more balls in play. Um, we're seeing that. I mean, on base percentage is up, went from like 310 to 322 over the past five weeks. Batting average only went up two points across the league. But I think, I think guys are throwing less strikes because they don't have grip on the ball. But, and, and I still think there's a approach issue with hitters, but I'm getting off the rails right now. Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> Final question before we conclude Do you have any issue with Jacob DeGrom, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve not participating in the? Bro. Correa has COVID. Is that right? Yeah, it came out. Yeah, it just came out. He's on the COVID list, so he didn't have a choice anyways. But no, it's your right, man. It's your, these are your days. Um, people calling him selfish, this and that. 
sure you they have the right to be <laughs> they have the right to be they play every single well debron degrom doesn't play every single day but he has the right to not go ramp up uh especially in colorado where guys could get hurt because elevation like i if you're not accustomed to that like that can really get to you um and just rest man like these are those are guys on first place teams yep they 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 need to have good second halves and for the Astros guys, is there something that has more? Yeah, there is probably. But I think uh, they're not happy with how they've been treated by their peer. Um, and they understand that that's it's just how it is because of what they did. But I don't think they want to go have to look guys in the eyes and have to have these conversations with them. And then they're not even going to enjoy their, their all-star weekend because they're going to be so uncomfortable. Yeah, and Honestly. Keep, in mind, keep in mind, people saying that Correa and Altuve don't want to get booed and ridiculed, and they don't, I don't have give a shit that. about being booed. They got voted into the All Star game by the players and coaches. Okay, so you're, you're thinking like, oh, they don't want to be in the same clubhouse as the other players. Those uh, players voted them in. The players didn't vote them in. Players and coaches voted both those guys in. They weren't. They aren't starters. Oh yeah, you're right. Sorry, I was thinking start. I was thinking starters and bands. My bad. Yeah. Both um, that's because they're that's because you still have to give them credit for being good players, but I think they do want to avoid certain conversations, honestly. Fair enough. That's not the biggest I don't think that's the biggest deciding factor. I think there is some validity to them saying, Correa, I want to go spend time with my pregnant wife. Altuve saying I need a break. Mm-hmm. Um because you gotta think too, like this has been a even though the booing and all that isn't like they're they're fine, they're pros, they can deal with it. It's still exhausting. Every time you go to a new city, anytime anybody sees you, they don't think about how good a ball player you are anymore. They just think about you cheating and yell cheater at you. It's exhausting. It's exhausting as a as a viewer. I can't imagine being in that boat every day. So it's exhausting. I think they just need a mental break. The Grom needs a physical break. The next time we talk to you party people, we'll be talking about Shohei Otani winning the home run derby. I can guarantee uh-huh. it right now. Over Joey Gallo. Should we make a side bet? Yeah, that's fine. Well, what do you want to bet? I mean, I honestly do think Shohei has the best chance of winning, but just for shits and giggles. Yeah. Um. I mean, how confident are you that Shohei's going to win? Very. Did you see him hit a ball out of the stadium in Japan? He Ooh, literally hit a ball. That's one. Out of the roof. That's one. You know the fences are like 220 there, right? And the balls in Coor- at Coors Field, they're not using the – Humidors, totally didn't even humidors. Humidors, you know where I keep my my Titleist. Yes, I do. But okay, I, I like where we're going. Okay, loser of this bet pays for the next person's golf. Yeah, but me taking Gallo is a much that there's a lot more. It's more me saying Otani won't win. I'm giving you the field. Okay, that's fair. Shohei versus that's the- fair because even I mean that's even for me I'm like I I still think he's gonna win but I think it'd be fun just to bet against it um, right. because I really am pulling for Joey but I could see Soto going off too see I like someone with a more violent swing Juan Soto is a type of Soto's not that violent with his swing he's just smooth. right he doesn't you don't have to hit it 500 feet you just gotta hit it over the fence no because soto is a guy that could hit 40 50 bombs in a year a lot of that is because of his own power but a lot of it is because of the power supplied by the pitcher and he has such a smooth swing all he has to do is barrel it 
Whereas a guy like Shohei Otani, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., they have so much torque in their swing. They don't need any power coming from the pitcher or from the ball speed. So I like violent swings in a derby. That's that's my thinking. That's my mindset. Shohei is violent. So you don't like Soto because his swing's smoother. Okay, yes. got it. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. I like this bet, though, because I'm going to pick a sick-ass course. All right, awesome. Oh, oh, gosh. I'm kidding. We'll keep Let's... it under, like, under 50 bucks. Yeah. One of, the, one of us didn't play in the big leagues and was making – My money bucks. long gone. <laughs> long gone. I'm married. I got kids. I'm – we both put up in the way. We both have sugar mamas to uh, right pay the cat. That's right. <laughs> All right, people. Till next time. Adios. So much trouble.